0: Tell you what, can play like that, looks that good, and Amanda was up here with Nick too. Thank you so much. That is a beautiful song and such a true song, How We Need Him. If you would, turn with me to Galatians chapter 3 this morning, as we see that song in text form how we need you. We'll be reminded of our need for him and just a little bit as we celebrate the Lord's Supper and remember Jesus' death and resurrection in our place as well. This morning's text is one that I have been excited to share with you ever since we started the Abram-Abraham series. So several weeks now, I've told a few people this already, I've tried to slip today's points into almost every single sermon that I've preached in Abram. I've been so excited, I've tried to slide this into all the sermons, and every time, I said, no, I'm just forcing that in, that's not part of this text, so I've pulled it out. So today, we're just looking at this text on its own, and I'm really excited about it. And I pray by the time that we're done that you're excited about it, as well. If you weren't here last week, just a real quick catch-up. Last week, we saw God making his covenant with Abram. We saw God promising to Abram that the things that he had said he would do, that he would do. Abram was worried, how will I know these promises will come true? And God gave him a sign and said, I am the reason that you can know that they're going to come true. Because God said when he makes a promise, he himself is the guarantee that it will come to pass. He's not going to leave it up to somebody else. He is the guarantee of his promises to Abram and to us. And we saw that last week. We looked and we saw how God did fulfill those promises to Abram. We also looked and saw how God fulfilled what are, in my estimation, the greatest promises he's made to us. Reconciliation to him, making our relationship with God right, allowing us to be free from the guilt of sin, allowing us to be free from the power of sin, allowing us to be free from the worry of death, allowing us to have eternal life. All of those promises, all of them are fulfilled in Jesus. We saw that last week. What a wonderful thing. So today I want us to do something. There are two promises that God made to Abram that we didn't look at last week. We're going to look at those today. To me, I think, you may disagree, and that's okay, but you're not talking this morning. These, I think, are the two biggest promises that God makes to Abram. They're the the grandest, the hardest to fulfill, as best as I would be able to tell. The two promises, I want to see how God fulfills what I think are these two biggest promises. And you might talk this morning, I didn't mean to hurt anybody's feelings. But I also want to show you this. I want us to see how the New Testament helps us to understand the Old Testament. Sometimes we think of them as completely separate. Sometimes we think of some of you like one more than the other. Today, I want you to see how the New Testament really makes clear so many things that we see in the Old Testament. So, here are the promises. You can write these texts down. I'm just going to give you the promises, but I do want to give you the text references for them if you want to look later. Genesis 12, verses 2 and 3, in the first promises that God makes to Abram, he makes this promise. He says, And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Now, to me, that's a huge promise, right? The promise that Abram was going to have a son, big deal. The promise that he was going to inherit the promised land, big deal. But when I think about all of the families, every family on the entire earth, Throughout all of history, being blessed through Abram, that's one, when I read that, I say, I want to see how that happens. I want to see how God fulfills that promise. If you want to see how he fulfills that promise, you're in luck. We're going to see that today. The other one is found in three different texts. Genesis thirteen sixteen. God promises that the descendants of Abram will be as numerous as the dust of the earth. That's a big deal. Y'all know how much dust is on the earth? you know how much dust is under your couch? Now think about everybody's couch. Now think about all the earth, that his descendants will be as numerous as the dust of the earth. In Genesis 15, 4 and 5, God said that his descendants would be as numerous as the stars of the sky. And if you've ever been to a place where there's no light interference, where you can look up and see the stars... Brothers and sisters, there's lots of those things. In Genesis 22:17 17 and 18, God told Abram, your descendants will be as numerous as the sand on the seashore. If you've ever been to the beach, you know that is a lot. So again, huge promise. Not you're going to have a son, not you're going to have descendants. You're going to have descendants that are going to be so numerous be like the stars of the sky, the dust of the earth, the sand on the seashore. How does God fulfill that? When I read that, I say, I want to see how that takes place. I want to see how that happens. We're going to see that. So look with me in Galatians chapter 3, beginning in verse 6 this morning. Just as Abraham believed God, and it was counted to him as righteousness, know then that it is those of faith who are the sons of Abraham. And the scripture, foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith, preached the gospel beforehand to Abraham, saying, In you shall all the nations be blessed. So then those who are of faith are blessed, along with Abraham, the man of faith. Now, I have to give you the background, what Paul's talking about here, because obviously we picked up in the middle of his thought. I don't want you to think I'm cutting out. What he's doing in chapter 3 is Paul begins building a case to the Galatians that the only way that we are saved is by faith alone, not by works. There's a debate that's still going on at this point in time. Uh, A lot of it has to do with the covenant of circumcision, and so that's a big discussion between Jewish people and Gentile people. And so Paul, in chapter 3, he begins telling them, making very clear, and in the first five verses, he kind of appeals to how they were saved. He said, well, look at how you were saved. Were you saved by faith or were you saved by works? And so after he appeals to how they were personally saved, then he picks up here in verse 6, and he starts building an Old Testament scripture. case. because, right, they didn't have a New Testament at this day and time, right? They didn't have a full New So he appeals to the scriptures that they had, the Old Testament. He wants to show them how the Bible makes clear that people are saved by faith. Now, I'm going to tell you this. If you don't know a lot about Abraham, if you don't know a lot about his life, It seems very strange that if you were trying to make an appeal that circumcision is not important, that you would appeal to the life of Abraham. Because the first time that God ever tells anybody that he wants them and all of their males to be circumcised in order to show their faithfulness to God is Abraham. That's the first person that God tells that. God introduces circumcision through Abraham. God introduces the covenant of circumcision. So the fact that you would refute the importance of circumcision by pointing at the life of Abraham seems way out there. You better really know what you're doing, Paul. Well, Paul does. He's using the words of God. He's using God's words that God gave in the Old Testament as well as what God gives him here to prove this to us. And you know what? The truth is, it holds up. Genesis chapter 15, you don't have to turn there, but just listen to this as it tells us how Abraham, how it was that Abraham came to be saved in verses 5 and 6 of Genesis 15. It says, And God brought Abraham outside and said, Look toward heaven and number the stars if you are able to number them. Then God said to him, So shall your offspring be. And listen to verse 6. And Abram believed the Lord, and the Lord counted it to him as righteousness. Now, was Abram counted as righteous because he was circumcised? Not what that text says. That text says that Abram was counted as righteous. Abram was saved because he believed what the Lord said, because he had faith, right? So that's what Paul is doing here. Paul is building this case from an appeal to them and an appeal to Scripture, And that's what I want us to start out with today. That's point one. It's in your bulletin. If you're writing them down, write this down. Point one, we are saved by faith, and you can add to it alone. We are saved by faith alone. Some of the Jewish people in this day and time wanted to tell the Gentiles, you have to be saved by faith and being circumcised. And if you ever, y'all stick this one in your pocket, if you ever hear anyone say, You have to be saved by faith and stop them right there because they're wrong at that point. We are saved by faith and we're saved by faith alone. Now, we have works that show that we have faith, but we're not saved by faith and circumcision. We're not saved by faith and church membership. We're not saved by faith and giving. We're not saved by faith and anything. We're saved by faith and faith alone, and there's no hope outside of faith in Jesus Christ. That's the only way anyone has ever been saved. It's the only way that anyone will ever be saved. Paul makes that clear here in the Word of God. So Paul lays out his argument, and here is the argument. Here's the main point for today. We are saved by faith and by faith alone. He wants everybody to understand. He wants them to all get that. And the scriptures hold up to that. Even Abram, so long, 2,000 years before Jesus was ever born, Abram was saved because he had faith. It's the only way you can be saved. So then he moves. He doesn't really move on. But what I want us to do as we move through this text is I want us to take, that's our main point, saved by faith alone. But I also want to show you this text shows how the two big promises are fulfilled. It's what I've been excited to show you. This shows us how he has children as numerous as the dust of the earth, as the stars of the sky, and as the sand of the seashore. Look again at verse 7. Know then that it is those of faith who are the sons of Abraham. Now, are Isaac and Ishmael the only sons of Abraham? It's not what it says, is it? I'm asking y'all, y'all got to answer. Are Isaac and Ishmael the only sons of Abraham? No. Are the other sons, because he has other children, later he remarries after Sarah passed away, are the other kids that he biologically has the only sons of Abraham? Is everyone that is saved by faith counted as a son of Abraham? Yes, good, y'all weren't just following the pattern. No, no, yes, yes, absolutely. This is how the promise is fulfilled. I want you to think about how many Christians there are on the earth today. Not just here at Mount Zion, not just in Lincoln County, not just in Mississippi, not just in the United States, worldwide. How many Christians there are today? Now think about a hundred years ago. Seems like it may have even been a bigger number then. Inflation because of people. We look at 500 years ago. Look at 1,500 years ago. Look at 2,000. Look at 3,000. Every single person that has ever had faith in God, that has ever been saved because of faith, the scripture says those people are counted as sons of Abraham. And now all of a sudden that number starts to look like the number of stars in the sky, dust on the earth, and sand on the seashore. God fulfilled his promise, didn't he? God made the promise true. In you, you will have as many children as all these things, and God makes good on that promise. Beautiful, beautiful to me as I see that. God did for such a huge promise, such a big deal, and God fulfills the promise. There's another one, though. We see it in this text as well. The other promise, in you, all the families, or Paul here, and some of the translations you have, in you, all the nations of the earth, shall be blessed. How does that happen? Look at verses 8 and 9. And the scripture, foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith, preached the gospel beforehand to Abraham, saying, In you shall all the nations or all the families be blessed. So then those who are of faith are blessed along with Abraham, the man of faith. Now, this seems so intriguing to me. What does Paul, what word does he use to describe in you shall all the nations be blessed? He uses one word, he calls it the something. What does he call that? Somebody tell me. All the nations, he says, the Gentiles by faith that the scripture preached the gospel. Now, when we think of gospel, what do we think of? We think of Jesus Christ leaving heaven and coming to earth, living a perfect life and dying as a perfect sacrifice. He came back from the dead and in that we can all have our sins forgiven, right? That's the gospel. But this says that the gospel was preached to Abraham 2,000 years before Jesus was ever born. And that's beautiful to me because what that shows is that was God's plan all along. Abraham didn't understand that. Whenever God said, Abraham, get up and leave from this country and go where I'm showing you, and if you do, I will bless all the families of the earth through you. Abraham didn't know that he was talking about Jesus. Abraham didn't understand that, but God did. That was God's plan. When God said that to Abraham, Abraham, I want you to get up and leave here and go to the promised land. Even then, God already knew that the plan was to send Jesus to live a perfect life and die a perfect death. God has known the plan all along. The plan has not changed. Brothers and sisters, how is it that every family or every nation in the world throughout all of history has been blessed? Because the greatest blessing that has ever come is available to everyone. Jesus Christ. The gospel is available for all of us to hear. And so we see here, how does God make good on the promise that He would bless all the families of the earth through Abraham. He makes good on that promise by sending Jesus, who happens to be a descendant of Abraham. If you're trying to see how Abraham and Jesus are tied together, Jesus is a descendant of Abraham. And so God makes good on that promise. Matthew 1.1 makes it very clear. I should have turned there beforehand. Matthew 1.1, this is how Matthew begins his gospel message. The book of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. You see that? How is it that God fulfills his two, in my estimation, that God fulfills his two greatest promises to Abraham in Jesus Christ? Now, that last part was cut off of the bulletin, if you want to write that point in there. God's greatest promises to Abraham were fulfilled in Jesus Christ. Now, brothers and sisters, it may not seem that intriguing to you. You're saying, what was Brother Zach so excited about? That didn't seem exciting to me. The fact that God preached the gospel 2,000 years before Jesus was ever born is exciting to me. And it's a huge deal. And we should celebrate that. But last week, this is what we saw. Last week, we saw that our greatest promises, the greatest promises that God has made to us, or fulfilled in Jesus, right? How can you be reconciled to God? How can you have that relationship fixed? Through Jesus. How can your sins be taken away? Through Jesus, right? How is it that you can be free from the power of sin? Y'all say it with me. Through Jesus. How is it that you can be free of the fear of death? Through Jesus. How is it that you can have eternal life? Through Jesus, right? That's exciting. We saw that last week. And then this week, what do we see? God's greatest promises to Abraham. The promise that all of the families and all the earth would be blessed through him. How is that fulfilled? Through Jesus. How is it that God fulfilled the promise to give him descendants as numerous as the dust and the stars and the sand? How is it that he did that? Through Jesus. And some of you may be thinking right now, why did Brother Zach take two sermons in two consecutive weeks and all of that time, why did he take all that time just to drive home the point that the greatest blessings that we can have are through Jesus? Why didn't he do that one week and this week do something else? Why is he making the same point two weeks in a row? And this is the reason why. Because I don't ever, ever, ever want us to forget that all we have is Jesus. I'm not here, I can't give you any self-help stuff, because you can't help yourself without Jesus. I'm not here to tell you how to make yourself better, because you can't be better unless you're made better by Jesus. The reason that I wanted to take two weeks to show you that all that we have is Jesus, is so that you would remember that all we have is Jesus. Every great promise that God has given us, He is fulfilled in Jesus. He's made us His sons, through Jesus. Brothers and sisters, all I have to offer you is Jesus Christ. I don't have anything else, but the good news is you don't need anything else. There's nothing above him that I could offer you. There's nothing better than him. There's nothing better than life lived with him. There's nothing better than the promises that we know will be fulfilled because God promised them that are fulfilled through Jesus. So today, I want us to celebrate that. We're going to celebrate that by coming to the table and celebrating the Lord's Supper in just a few moments. We're going to celebrate that we have been given all of these things because He shed His blood for us, because He died to make atonement for our sins. But before we do, we're going to have a time of invitation. I want to ask you if you would stand. And this morning... Before we come to the Lord's table, maybe you realize that too much of your life has been based on you and it hadn't been based on Jesus, and we need to get that straight. Maybe this morning you realize that you've been looking everywhere except to Jesus, that you've wanted so many things that, that you have overshadowed Jesus in your life. Brothers and sisters, I pray that you would spend some time in prayer, that you would repent. Maybe here this morning you realize that you've never been made clean that you've never been given those promises because you don't have faith in jesus christ you have questions about that i would love to answer those questions for you but this morning i just want you to spend some time praising the lord for what he's done thanking him for jesus and making sure that our hearts are fixed on jesus more than anything else